This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Men who didn't have children from 90 years old, you can imagine not a person who goes through two years, three years not having children, everybody's asking questions and, they, and you have to go, you know, to different places and tests and all this stuff. So Remain was 90, she never thought she was going to have a child. Here she was, the Tzedekist of the world, barren, with no children. Could you imagine if your husband, all his life is given over to God, and all he does is mitzvahs, wouldn't you be questioning like, uh, how come I'm not getting pregnant? How come I'm not getting a child? I mean, we gave our whole life, the two of us, just to bring your name into the world. And every Arab and, 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 and Hagar, who's a maidservant, she, she got pregnant right away and had a child. You smile. And I'm sorry, Maynard, Sadekista. My husband didn't even know what I looked like until I bent over to wash, to, to wash my face in water. That's what Sadekista I was. And three miracles that the fire from my candles burnt the whole week and the challah was always warm. There was a cla- and, and I don't have children? You think it was easy for her? For 90 years not to have children? And for Rivka not to have children for a while? And then she has an ace of? And for Yitzchak to go on a Kedas Yitzchak? Where, where's the party in, this, in the Torah? Where, where's somebody having a good time? And, and Yaakov Avinu, his daughter goes out, she's attacked by Shechem, Dina, the only daughter that actually is named in the Torah of Yaakov of, of, of Yaakov Avinu, his wife Rachel dies in childbirth. He loses his son for twenty-two years. He even told Paro that I had a miserable life. So Moshe Rabbeinu had a good life, miserable. He was away from his mother three months after he was born. He was brought up by Paro. He was chased out of Mitzrayim. He was the whole Torah. Never will you find in Hamisha Chumshei Torah or in Navi that the Jewish nation ever thanked Moshe Rabbeinu for anything that he did. He said them by the Egel, by the Yamsuf, in Mitzrayim. He did not stop saving the Jews. You will never see in the Torah. The Jews turned around and said, Moshe Rabbeinu, we love you. Thank you. Nothing. Like the, you know, he, he didn't have a good life. He had a very troubled life, very hard life. David Amelech, his mother-in-law tried to kill him, his father-in-law tried to kill him, his wife tried to kill him, his kids tried to kill him. So this picture that we have that everyone's perfect in the Torah and life is perfect in the Torah is totally not true. The one time that Yaakov Avinu wanted to rest, to take it easy, to be happy, to look at his family. But Yeshiv Yaakov, Rashi says right away, you think you're going to rest? Now you're going to lose Yosef. So we have to understand that this Torah was a big struggle. And the reason that we don't have this perfect story, I think they write about, you know, this one of the, one of the people, people complain when they write about the great rabbis and the great rebbers, right? They make them into angels. And they also struggled. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't write the, the books that you have in Art Scroll. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wrote the Torah. And he wrote it as it is. Because he understood that every Jewish person is going to suffer. And is going to have trials and tribulations. And we're going to give him a Torah that the princess and the prince rode off into the sunset on a white horse. It's not going to connect to us. Because that's not real life. That's fiction, which sells very well. Because real life is not so beautiful. And not so easy. So we have to understand that when the Torah tells us, and Pasha has told us, that Yehav Yitzchak is Esav. Yitzchak loved Esav. Barifko Eheves is Yaakov. If somebody came to me, a girl came to me and said, my mother doesn't like me. My father likes me. Okay, we got to have a session with her mother. What's going on over here? A kid that the mother doesn't like her? Or favoritism? That one child is loved more than the other? The Torah tells us that there was favoritism here. That Rivka loved Yaakov. Yitzchak loved Esau. Why is the Torah telling me this? And the answer is as follows, which is very interesting. This is all from, I would never say this. This is all from Rav Samson Rafael Hirsch. And he says the following. Here's a saying that opposites attract, right? 
Sometimes they read a shidduch to someone, and she's a very quiet girl. And they read him this guy that's levitating, jumping all over the place. And by the wedding, he's the guy that comes with the shtick. And someone walks over and says, I have a great shidduch for you. You feel that guy jumping like a mashugana in a horse costume? Right? You know, this quiet girl, right? I think it would be really good for you. And the girl's like, well, what, are you, what are you talking about, right? And you just have to get them to go out. Because what happens? Opposites attract. What does that mean? If I'm a quiet person and I want to expand who I am, and I marry a quiet person, so I'm really just staying where I am. I'm not experiencing anything new. So if I'm a quiet person, and I marry someone who's not a quiet person, then all of a sudden we have this whole life, where sometimes we're quiet, and sometimes we're very loud, right? And and that's what, what I enjoy, because there's another part of who I'm married to, who's what I'm not. So that's a whole. Because one half is what the other half is not. And vice versa. You see many, many times that a quiet boy marries a girl who's very levitic. Because he's very quiet. And what he's interested in is, wow, I can't be like that. It's not my nature. It's not who I am. But I very much appreciate that now I'm one with her and I have two sides, so to say, to me. I have this side of being quiet and, and I have this side, which is my wife, of being very levitic. So what happened over here in Pasha's, last week in Pasha's told us, is that Yitzchak was a very quiet person. He never left his mother and father. Avraham Avinu sent Eliezer to find his shidduch. He didn't go. He stayed home. He stayed home. And they brought him his shidduch. He was very quiet. He was on the Akedah, and he stayed home, and he learned Torah. He was very, he was Gevura. He was very strong inside. He was a very quiet person. All of a sudden, he has this child, Esau, who's a Tzayat B'siv. What does that mean, a Tzayat B'siv? He told the most amazing stories. So Yitzchak was living this exciting life through Esau. Esau would come home, and he would bring his father to eat, and he would tell him stories. I was out there, true stories. He was an amazing hunter. And a lion attacked me. And I killed it. And then there was a bear. And Yitzhak was sitting there like, wow. It's an extension of him. Listen to these stories. He was side the thin. And he's asking me if I have to give Meister on salt. And hey. So I have something here. I have a kid that's very exciting. He's unbelievable spiritually. He's very from. And he's in the world. That wasn't Yitzchak. To him, that was something he loved, it's not that he had a favorite kid, but he loved what Asa was about. Because Asa brought to the table what he wasn't about. But he thought that Asa was from. So to him, he had a kid that could go into the world, could go into the world, could hunt, could talk to people, could be flamboyant. And still be very from. To Yitzchak, that was something new. He thought to be from, just stay home. Yaakov was Ishtam Yeshivaholim. So he was exactly what Yitzchak was. So that wasn't exciting for Yitzchak. Yitzchak understood that life that if you sit in a tent and you learn all day and you don't go out and you have nothing to do with the human world, you have nothing to do with human beings, and you have nothing to do with hunting or anything else like that, you just sit by a safer, that you're gonna be from, you're gonna be connected to Hashem. That wasn't exciting for Yitzchak. Because Yitzchak, that was who he was. Esau was exciting. Rivka, on the other hand, was the opposite. Rivka came from a crazy house. She came from Besuel. She came from Lavon. She came from the biggest robbers, murderers, killers, treacherous people. And what she was looking for was a situation of a person Sitting in a, in a tent, quietly, not cheating, not robbing, not being treacherous, just sitting there, a holy rabbi with a glow on his face, connected to God. Now, Yehav, Rivka, as Yaakov. What Esav did, Lavan did, and his, her father did. That wasn't exciting to her. And she knew that it was all fake, his Yiddishkeit, his, his Frumkeit. Yaakov? Yaakov was something new to her. A son that sits a whole day and learns Torah? That was wow. 
Vayehav Rivka es Yaakov. She loved what Yaakov was doing. So what happened was, Yitzchak wanted to give Esau the bracha. Because the bracha was a bracha for Gashmias, for material things. Yitzchak said, what am I going to do, give a bracha to a guy who's sitting, learning in, in, in a tent? I'm going to give him a bracha that his fields should give crops? What fields? The kid's learning a whole day in a tent. So he doesn't need the bracha. But my Esau, who's out there, and he's a good boy, and he's mixed in the nations of the world, and he's hunting, he needs a bracha on materialism. So he didn't tell Yaakov to come get the bracha, he told Esau to come get the bracha. And his plan was a master plan. Uh, they're twins. I'm going to have Esau be the hunter. I'm going to give him a bracha. He's going to have farms and, and animals and cattle, and it's going to be unbelievable. And he is going to support Yaakov, who's going to sit and learn. Perfect. One guy's working, and he's from in the work world, and he's going to support the guy who's sitting and learning. That was his plan. But what Yitzchak didn't know was that Esau was a Russia, and he definitely wasn't going to support his brother. Rivka knew this. And Rivka also understood that she used what she learned in the world, what Lavan taught her he was a crook. She knew how to use that for the right way. So she was going to get Yaakov to get the bracha and to learn how to use the material world to connect to God. That was not something that Yaakov understood. Yaakov was, a, was like a Yitzchak. He understood if you sit and learn in your tent, away from everything, you don't have anything to do with the world, that's how you connect to God. And Rivka said, no, the world was created to connect to God. If God just wanted a person to sit in the cave and learn, then he, would, he wouldn't have made the world. Just give a safer and a light bulb and svarim. And then I would sit and learn. But he created this whole world because the, the highest spirituality comes from the physical world. We are on a much higher level than an angel. Because an angel doesn't have a physical world. We have the power to take an apple, an apple, and turn it into a safer tire. How do you turn an apple into a safer tire? You make a bracha. Thank you. By making a bracha. How do you turn a shoe into a Sefer Torah? By putting on your right shoe first, because that's the halacha that your right shoe has to go on before your left shoe. So God gave us the ability to come into this world and take all the physical things and take them to the highest level of spirituality. That was not something that Yaakov understood. So now, Rivka sends Yaakov out to get married. So the Pasuk says, Yaakov had to leave his tent. He had to leave his tent and he had to go into the world. She sent him to the worst place. She sent him to Lavan. But Yaakov did not understand that you could take the physical world and make it spiritual. So what did he do? So he went the way he was going. He passed Haramaria where the Kotal Maravi is, where the Beis Hamidash is. That mountain is called Har Hamoria. What happened on Hara Maria? A few things. Akedas Yitzchak. What else? The Beis Hamikdash, both of them, were built on Hara Maria. And the world, the world was created from the Eben Hashasiyah, which was this rock that Akash created the world from. Where is that rock? On Hara Maria. Today it's actually the top of the rock is in the Dome of the Rock. That's why it's called the Dome of the Rock. The golden mosque that's behind the Christ of Maravi. That's where, that's, that's where the stone is. And the Mizbeach of the Akedat Yitzchak was that stone called the Eben Shashiyah. Which means that in one place, the physical world was started by the Eben HaShashiyah was on Haram Maria, and the spiritual world was started. The Beis Hamikdash was there, and Akedat Yitzchak is there. So the one place where the spiritual world's creation and the physical world's creation was in the same place was on Haram Maria. And Yaakov Avinu was going to walk right over the mountain, say a tefillah, and keep going. And Hashem said, not this time. This time, 
before you go into the world, before you have 12 tribes, before you become the father, before you get the name Yisrael, which we are the B'nai Yisrael, the children of Yaakov, before any of that happens, you must learn that the physical world and the spiritual world are one. So Hashem made the sun set early, and it got dark, and he could not travel. So we all know he took the 12 stones and he put it around his head, and they became one, and he fell asleep. He davened there, and he laid down. And he had a dream. And in his dream, he saw a ladder, and the bottom of the ladder was on the ground. And the famous question, when I was growing up, I remember asking this question in yeshiva. I might have gotten thrown out for it, I'm not sure, because I don't think I raised my hand. I said, Rebbe, don't angels have wings? Why do I have to climb a ladder? They fly. It's a bad question. It's a good question, right? Angels have wings. We know in Yechezkel they have six or eight pairs of wings, right? That's what it says. So what are you walking up and down a ladder for? And were they firemen? If anyone in this room had a dream about angels going to heaven, it would be a stairway. There's even a song. But there would be a stairway, right? There'd be a stairway to heaven. Who in this room is going to dream about a ladder unless you happen to have been on Ocean Parkway today and cut off a fire truck, right? But otherwise, you're not dreaming about a ladder. How many angels can go up and down a ladder? It's a ladder. So why did the terrorist say that he jumped about a ladder? Steps. A ramp. A road to heaven. A ladder to heaven? Why a ladder? And we know that in a dream... That's when you go to get a dream translated. Everything in the dream, the Gemara Bracha says, is a symbol. It's telling you something. So why was it a ladder? And Malachim Oilim Yordimbo. They were going up and they were going down. Heard an unbelievable shot this week on that. That that he wanted Yaakov to see that even an angel goes up and down. Even an angel can fall. So surely a human being can fall. And you'll see if when in the tefillah that your husband says a Friday night, after Kiddush, after Shalom Aleichem, not after Kiddush, after Shalom Aleichem, we say, in Rebun Kalamim, Mardanil Fenech Hashem Al-Kaim Al-Sai, that the Malachim did what they were supposed to. Right. So in, in the middle of it, it says, Mardanil, at the end it says, that the Malachim did what they're supposed to. What do you mean the Malachim did, thank you, Malachim, for doing what you're supposed to? You have no choice. I'm thanking you for doing what you're supposed to. You're an angel. So we learn in Kabbalah that angels didn't always do what they were supposed to do. And there are many stories of that. But it's not that they don't have Bechira. It's because they're in Shemayim and they see God that they lose their choice. It's not that they don't have a choice. It's like, if I tell you everybody right now, my name is Rabbi Wallerstein. You all know that, right? So you don't have a choice. It doesn't mean you lost your Bechira that you all of a sudden became a, a bird. You're still a human being, right? But if I, if I tell you that's a cup of water, well, not you, that, that you do have a choice, but because I once fooled you and put vinegar in it. But if I tell you, look at the print, right? So it's not that you didn't lose your choice, but you see it in front of you. Malachim see Hashem. But there are Malachim that didn't listen. Just like the trees. When Hashem created the trees, so it says God created the trees, and He told the trees that you have to taste like the fruit. And the trees didn't listen. When I learned this, I'm like, what do you mean the trees didn't listen? God said that you have to taste like your fruit. A tree can't say no. So what does that mean? They didn't listen. And they didn't listen. If you go outside and you take a piece of wood from an orange tree and you bite into it, you're going to get splinters. That's it. It doesn't taste like an orange. There's only one tree in the world that the wood of the tree tastes like the peri, and that's an estric tree. That's it. And that was brought down in Gemara that the Eitz was an estric tree. That's the only tree that the wood tastes like the tree. So when I learned this, I'm like, come on, this can't be. How can a tree say to Hashem, no, no, I'm not doing it. Because everything in this world, even a blade of grass, has a malach, has an angel. And the angels of the tree said the following. God told us that we should taste like the fruit. But if we taste like the fruit, what are people going to do? They're going to chop down the tree. They're going to eat the wood. And the next year, there'll be no tree to give fruit. So if we don't become like the tree, and we don't taste like the fruit, and we only taste like wood, so people are only going to eat the fruit. They're not going to touch the wood. 
And that way, the tree can live for 30, 40, 50 years. So they made a cheshbon, the malachim. Much better if we don't taste like the fruit. That way, they won't chop down the tree. It wasn't for them to make a cheshbon. But the malachim made a cheshbon. And they talk, it didn't change. And today, you, your fruit trees, the wood does not taste like the, like the fruit. So we see that a malach has a little bit of a, little bit of a choice. So he said that in his dream he saw, don't get nervous. The Jewish nation is going to rise and the Jewish nation is going to fall and they're going to be good and some of them are not going to be good. But look, malachim oilim v'yardim bar. Malachim go up, malachim go down. So surely human beings go up and they go down. So the question is, why a ladder? What a pasha to fall out during a war in Eretz Yisrael and right after a hurricane Sandy. The reason that God gave him a dream of a ladder is a ladder is the only thing that whether you're climbing up or you're climbing down, you have to look up. When you walk down steps, you look down. When you walk down a road, you look down. When you're on a down escalator, you look down. But when you climb a ladder, of course you look up. But when you go down a ladder, you're always facing up. If you turn around when you go down the ladder, you're falling off the ladder. So you're always facing up. So Hashem said to Yaakov Avinu, till now you were Yeshiva Halim. You were learning in Yeshiva and everything was good. I know that you know I'm there when everything is good. But you're going to lose Rachel. And something's going to happen to Dina. And you're going to lose Yosef. And there's going to be a hunger in the land. And you're going to go through a lot of different things in life. Remember that when you're going down the ladder, and you feel like you're falling and you're going down the ladder, you're still always looking up. Hashem needs of Allah. And who is standing at the top of the ladder says Hashem? I am. So no matter if the Jewish nation is going up or down, at the end of the day, where does the ladder lean? Where does the ladder lean? When you take a ladder and you lean it on a wall, what part of the ladder leans on the wall? The top. Just the top. I'll lose the camera, but if I take my stender and I show you and I go to the wall and I lean my stender against the wall, the top of the stender hits the wall. Says Hashem, Hashem needs of our love. The whole ladder, island going up, going down, the world, the physical world, the spiritual world, it's all leaning on one thing. Me. And that's what you need to know, Yaakov Avinu. And that's why it's a ladder. Steps don't lean. And a road doesn't lean. But a ladder has to lean on something. You can't just put it up straight. If you put it up straight, it will fall down. All the atheists in the world, they will fall down. Because they're not leaning on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem's saying, lean on me. I am the one that's holding the ladder of the world. And this is something he had to teach Yaakov Avinu because he knew that Yaakov Avinu was going into tragedy. He was losing a wife. He was losing a son. He was watching his daughter get extremely abused. Dina. He was going to go into all types of situations and, and Mitzrayim and send his children down to Mitzrayim. Because Baruch Hu said, it's the same thing as when Vayeshev Yaakov, when you're sitting it's all the same thing. And he showed him that in his dream. And Yaakov got very scared. Now you have to remember, Yaakov Avinu was very close to Kosh What happened here? First of all, the Sulam was on the ground. So it was on the earth. So this ladder connected earth and Shemayim. And behold, God was on it. Now listen to what Hashem says. Very interesting question here. And Hashem said, I Hashem, I am God. Elokei Avraham Avicha. The God of Avraham, your father. Avraham was not Yaakov's father. Avraham was Yaakov's grandfather. So Hashem is telling him in the dream, I am the God of Avraham, your father. Well, if Avraham is his father, who's Yitzchak? So the passage continues. Elokei Avram Avicha, Avram your father, Elokei Yitzchak. And the God of Yitzchak, and the, Hashem didn't say your father. What's going on over here? Avram's the grandfather, calls him father. Yitzchak's the father, calls him nothing. I'm sure, Baruch Hashem, tonight's going to be the first night you're going to sleep, because this Pasuk bothered all of you last year, and you could not find the answer, and you've been up a whole year, and now Baruch Hashem Wallace is here to save you. What do you mean Avram is his father? Avram is his grandfather. Why did you call Yitzchak Avicha? Why did you drop the father? 
And the answer is that the message God was giving to him in his dream was, listen to me. Your physical father was Yitzchak. But your spiritual father is Avraham. No more being like Yitzchak spiritually. No more staying at home to connect to me. You have to become like Avraham. Avraham was called the Ivri because he was on the other side of the river. Avraham's whole life was running around and telling the whole world that there's only one God. Avraham's whole life was opening a hotel and connecting food, sleep, shower, drinking to God. He was Megayar, all the world, through the physical world. He didn't get up and say, okay, I'm going to give you a, a, a share in the Silas Yisharim now. All you Arabs, please sit down. All you guys from Haran, I'm giving a share. doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that Abraham Avinu ever gave a share. He used to stand screaming, but he never gave a share. But it says he opened the hotel, and he invited you in, and he says, have something to eat. By the way, who created this apple? Where does this water come from? Who created your teeth that you could chew this apple? And now, whoa, hey, this is interesting. Why did the president have to sleep to recharge his batteries? He took all the physical world and he connected to the spiritual and that's how he brought people to realize that there's a God. So Akash Baruch Hu said, Yitzchak is your father, but not spiritually. Spiritually, your father, he's not your grandfather spiritually, your father spiritually, now that you're out in the world, has to be Avram Avinu. So Hashem says, Avram is your father. And that's how you have to go into the world. And that's how we went into the world. And the passage goes on. And he gets all these promises. And Akash Baruch says, I'll be with you, and I'll never leave you. And I'm going to tell you something I heard this week in Bitochan Emuna. My whole life, I have read so many swarim. And I've heard so many shurim. And I've, I've heard, in my seminary, teachers give so many shurim. And it's probably the biggest shurim that a person ever hears in Musr, in Hashkafa, is what's the difference between Emunah and Bitochan? One's belief, one's belief. And all this forum talk about it. This week, I heard Rev. Uh, Ruben Feinstein, and he gave us, it said a marshal. It's the first time in my life that I'm, I am 100% sure I understand the difference between Bitochan and Amunah. And of course, Baruch Hu was trying to teach us to Yaakov also. He was very worried. You have to understand, you're taking a guy out of yeshiva. You're taking a guy whose whole theory in life is that I have to sit quietly, and, and that's the only way I connect to Hashem. And you're telling him, go out into the world, not only into the world, but go into the worst place. Go to Lavan, a crook, a night by the Zara. So it wasn't like taking him to like, you know, learn a half a day, you know, protected. It was like Lavan, shepherd, with the lowest guy in the whole world. So he was very scared. He was very scared to lose his Yiddish guy. So Kurdish Bokhu said, I'll take care of you. Let me tell you the difference between Amuna and Bitachan. And a girl asked me some, in seminary today an amazing question I've never heard and I don't have the answer yet exactly how to explain it to her. Let me tell you the difference. Both is belief. Emunah I believe, Bitochan I believe, right? So Emunah is like this. He said a story like this. He says there's this, this guy who does in the, you know, in the circus, you know, that tightrope, that tightrope, so they walk on it, you know. So he was a big type tightrope thing. He decided he's going to do something in New York City and he's going to walk between the Empire State Building, the top, and the next building. He's going to do a tightrope. He's going to walk across. Nothing to catch him. If he falls, it's thousands of feet. He's finished. And all the reporters get into the room where he's starting, in the Empire State Building, where he's going to walk across. And they're like, this is unbelievable. The, the rope is there. He's got his socks on, you know, whatever they have to walk on, his balancing beam. And he says, I want to ask you, all you reporters, how many of you believe I'm going to make it to the other side and back? How many of you believe? So they're like, well, you know, we saw you in, in Ringling, we saw you in the circus. You're pretty good. I mean, it's pretty scary. There's wind out there. It's not so simple. But we believe you can do it. You can do it! He says, okay. You believe I can do it. And he does the whole thing and he walks across and he comes back. And they're like, wow. That was amazing. He says, all right. Now, how many of you think I could ride one of these unicycles, just one wheel, right? Across this rope and back. And some people are like, wow, this guy's crazy. No, on the Empire State Building, he's, if he falls, I mean, forget about it, right? Unicycle on the rope, but we saw him do it in the circus. And he didn't fall. They're like, you can do it! Said, okay. Gets on the unicycle, goes across. Everyone's like, whoa, little wind in the middle. Rides it all the way back. And they're like, wow, amazing. So, so far, everybody has a Muna that he could do it, right? They're all saying, well, you can do it, you can do it, right? So that's a Muna. That's Emunah. We believe 
you're an unbelievable unicyclist on a tightrope. We believe you can do it. So he takes the unicycle one way, he comes back. He says, okay, here we're going to go for the big one. How many of you believe that I could get on a unicycle on the tightrope with somebody on my shoulders and make it back and forth? And they're like, you know, you did it already with the unicycle. We saw this trick. We saw you do this in the circus. And they're all screaming, you can do it. He says, you really think I can? You really think I can? They're like, for sure. You can do it. We saw you do it in the circus. He says, you sure? And they're like, we're sure. Emuna. He says, good. Any one of you volunteer to be the one on my shoulders? <laughs> and they're like, no. <laughs> That's bitachon. Bitachon is, you believe, you believe, you believe, but go, turning the belief, the machshava, the belief, into maisa. <laughs> That's bitachon. And Moon is, yeah, I, I think you can do it. Oh, you want me to go on your shoulders? Uh, no. So I was dealing, what? Hesitation. No, no, there's, there's faith, I believe. But if you really believe, then you get on my shoulders. Right. So you, you have to, it, it's, it's a much higher, it, the belief becomes something real. It's not just a, I believe in you, I believe in you. It becomes real, very real. Uh-huh. Nachshon jumped into the Yamsuf, right? Nobody else did. Everybody had a Muna coming out of Mitzrayim. Everybody saw the, the, the plagues. Everybody saw everything. How come the Jews didn't, when Hashem said, go into the Yam, how come nobody jumped in? They didn't have a Muna? They all had a Muna. They didn't have Bitochem. They all believe. Oh, but, but I'm not going first. I, God's going to do it, but you go. You go. I'm not going. That's a Muna without Bitochem. Nachshon went in till the water was over his nose. So he had Bitochem. The water will split. Everybody else around had a Muna. It's, I was talking to a girl two days ago about Shiduchim. Shiduchim is very hard. And this girl has something in her past that that she's very pretty. So anytime she goes to a wedding, right away all the people in Flatbush is like, oh, I've got a son for that girl. Find out who she is. So she gets many Shiduchim read to her because she's very pretty. And everybody, oh, I... But the minute they ask a certain question, the answer to that question, no, not for me. So she's very depressed. She's very down. That I'm never going to... And it's not her fault. Whatever, whatever. It's not like she had a past or anything. Whatever it is. So she's like, totally depressed. So somebody asked me to speak to her. And she's a tzaddikist of this girl. And I'm like, how old are you? She's like 21, 22, whatever she is. I'm like, she says, you don't understand. Like they read the shidduch and the minute they ask questions, boom, they're gone. She said, I can't take it. I, 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 how do you expect me to be happy? And I'm like, hold on a second. So she has a Muna. She's a firm girl. She has a Muna. That there's a God, and he's a loving God. And I'm like, what's the difference if you believe that God created the whole world, he created you, he made you pretty, whatever he did, right? You believe that it's God, right? So why does God stop when it comes to Shidduch? Why are you depressed? Why did it stop? What happened all of a sudden? He could do anything. Right? You say to heal him for very sick people. Oh, he can heal him. He can do anything. Right? He's going to bring Mashiach, but he can't find you a shidduch. I said, what happens? Why, why is there a stop? I believe everything, but my shidduch, I'm depressed. Because if you're depressed, means that you really believe that because all these people are saying no, you really believe you're not going to get married. So you really believe that people run the world. That if God wants you to get married... People are going to stop me from getting married. I said, you're not from. You don't believe in God. What happened? The Amuna is, uh, she davens, I, I believe Hashem runs the world. Hashem created the world. Like a first grader, Hashem is here. Hashem is everywhere. So why are you depressed? Because you don't want to be Because you can't take that step. You don't want to go on his shoulders. God, you can do everything. You want me to go on your shoulders? Uh, nah, I don't think so. That's the difference between Emunah and Bitochem. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in this week's Pasha, was trying, was telling Yaakov Avinu that it's not good enough just to believe in me. You need to go into the worst place and understand that I'm with you. I got you here. I'll get you to the next step. Because what happens, girls, 
But then if you don't have that bitachon, and you really believe that people in Flatbush who are going to ask a question, and because of that they don't want your son to go out with you, you really believe that you have to get married with Teva. Nature, everything has to be in a perfect place. Everything has to be perfect. Your makeup has to be perfect. And you have to say the right words. If you believe that, then Hashem says, I'm out. I'm out. You, you want to go in the world of Derech HaTeva? In the world of Derech HaTeva, men and women don't get married. Because we are so different. If you want to go into the natural world, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. I, I, heard, I heard a whole speech on Shalom Bias this week. And they were explaining, how come if a woman t- tells a man... Right? Go get me a bottle of milk. Make sure it's green. 1%. I'm on a diet. I don't want 2%. I want 1%. Right? And he comes home with a bottle and it's blue. She goes crazy. She starts screaming at him. I mean, not of you, of course, but in such a case, right? I don't understand. You don't care about me? You don't love me? He's like, huh? Over 1% of milk? I don't love you? I made a mistake. Right? The liars, of course, will say... They didn't have any green, right? But we're talking about people who are telling MS, right? And, and, and the guy, what, we don't understand that. What is she, what is she getting so bent out? Why don't we understand you? Why don't we understand you? Because honestly, if it was the other way around, if you, if the guy told his wife, get me a bottle of blue, not, not, not scotch, a bottle of blue milk, and she came home with a bottle of green milk, who cares? We don't really care. Oh, you don't love me enough to care. Okay, we're not going to get into that whole thing. But we really don't care. It's not, so important in anything like that, right? Right now, go downstairs and lock the door. And he doesn't go right now. He forgot that she said it. And he went to the bathroom and he called his friend and she's like, Chaim, did you lock the door? And he's like, no. I, I, I got to go to Sean Bias class with you. What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I asked you 40 seconds ago to lock the door and you didn't lock it yet? And then we don't understand it because if we asked you to lock the door, if you lock it in two days from now, it's all so good. You did lock it. You didn't lock it. It's not the end of the world. I heard something unbelievable. So this rub got up and it's so true. He said, why? Why are men and women so different when it comes in a marriage when a woman asks a man to do something and he doesn't do it right away? She's like, I'll do it myself. You don't love me. You don't care about me. But... If it was your friends, you wouldn't have brought home the wrong milk. We get that a lot. And if it was your friends, you would have locked the door. And a lot of kids get that from their mothers also. Oh, for your friends, right? You're running into the street. For me, oh, mom, I'm tired, right? We get that also. So she, he said an unbelievable answer. He said a woman is created from man. She's created from the etzim of man. So we, the man is part of her, right? We are taken from us. Right? And they took something and they put it in the woman. So there's a part of us in the woman. He calls it the four hands. He says, so a woman looks at it that my husband is an extension of me. So women are able to multitask. Guys are not. It's like, can you take out the garbage and lock the door? One or the other. I can't. I can't, I, I can't do both. You know, I, I can't. I can't. Because you're like, change, change the light bulb. And you know, one, no, no, one thing at a time, just give me a list. You know? I see very few women in, in pomegranate or in any place Thursday night with lists. They know exactly what to buy. Guys, we got this list. We cross it off. We call. I'm not sure what you meant. We call again. We cross another thing off. And then when we're finished and we're checking out and we're rolling, we get that phone call. There's three more things I need. And we're like, and women, they never have a list. They know what they need, right? We, we don't multitask. We buy one thing at a time. Sometimes, if you watch men, it's very funny. Shop, right? They'll go down aisle, they have a list. I'm the same way. You have a whole list, right? You'll go down aisle one, because it's that, uh, the way my wife wrote it on the list, right? And aisle one is this, right? But there's four other items on aisle one, but they're way far down, further on the list. <laughs> I buy the first thing on aisle one, and the next thing's in aisle four, I go to aisle four, and then I go to aisle three, and then I go back to aisle one, because that's where it is, and we're, we're not good at doing a lot of things at one time. We, we, we're good, if we're good, if we're good, we do one thing at a time. We don't multitask. A, a woman has four hands. She's, she's holding the baby, she's on the phone, she's cleaning the floor, she's feeding another kid. They have four, why do they have four hands? Because they, they, they have our two hands. They're connected to us. So they don't understand, they don't understand, really, they don't understand. If I tell you to do something, it's like me telling my hand, go get green milk, and my hand comes back with red milk. So 
So there's something wrong with my hand. What's going on with my hand? I went for green milk. I got red milk. What's going on? It's that, that, that's Chaim. This guy here, that's Chaim. Because he's part of it. This, I, I, this, is, this guy is unbelievable. He gave a whole share on Shalom Bias. He said, guys have to understand that, that, that when a woman gets married, you are, you are just an extension of her. Don't think you're your own little being over here. You're not your own little being. You're an extension of her. So if the hand says, I want green milk, and it comes back with blue milk, bad hand. Right? Naughty hand. So we don't really multitask very well. I have no idea how I got here, um, but somehow I got here. Anyway, let's go back. Let's go back to the... Back to the parsha. So, but that's bitochon. That's how we got to. Because that, that's bitochon. Bitochon is the ability to take your emuna, to take your belief, and say, "I have no problem going on your shoulders." Not just to get him to say, "I believe in you. I believe you can make it. If you really believe you can make it, get on my shoulders." Right? Okay. If you believe we're meant for each other, I've heard that many times. Guy tells a girl, "I really think we're meant for each other." She's like, "So where's the ring?" <laughs> well, I don't know. It's too soon. It's too this. Ah, you have no bitochon. Right? Because if you really believe we're meant for each other, put the ring on my finger and get on one knee or two knees or whatever you have to do and say, will you marry me? Right? No, you're not waiting to say, will you marry me? So you have a mood. I really think it works. I really think this is good. You don't have because you didn't, you didn't do anything towards it. That's bitachon. You don't take the mm. risk. It's, it's, it's more than a risk. It's taking from a, from a belief. I believe, I, I believe you can do it to make it into reality. Reality means if I really believe you can do it, I'm on your shoulder to, to take it into an action. Okay. So now, what happens? And we'll, 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 we'll end with this. So what happens? So, by Yikatz Yaakov, Yaakov awakens Mishnasai from his sleep. By Yaiman, he says, Achim, behold, Yesh Hashem, God is in this place, and I didn't know. Excuse me, Yaakov, did you not go to kindergarten? Doesn't every kindergarten kid, if you say, is God here? Yes, let me sing you my song. Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is everywhere, right? Up, down, all around. For you that don't know, you should know this song, right? Left, right. So every kid knows that God is everywhere. So what is this pussy telling us? Yaakov woke up and he made a big announcement. God is here? I didn't know. Yaakov, you, the guy who sat and learned, you don't know that God is everywhere? What is this shocking revelation that you just woke up with? So he says what his shocking revelation is. By Yira, he became very scared. By Yoma, he said, How awesome is this place. This is the house of God and the gate of Shemayim. And then the Pasuk says, By Yashkeim, Yaakov, Baboker. And he took the stone that was underneath his head and he made it into a monument. And there's a very big question here. It said already two psukim before that Yaakov woke up from his sleep. And now two psukim later, it says, Yaakov woke up in the morning. You told me two psukim ago that he woke up. And he said, there's a God in this place. You can't wake up twice. He definitely did not go back to sleep. He woke up and said, oh my gosh, this is such a scary place. So what does it mean he woke up again? So the answer is that Vayikat Yaakov Mishnaso means that he woke up. He was aware. He became aware of something new. He didn't wake up from his sleep. Vayash came, by the way, waking up means also to get up. Vayash came, Yaakov woke up. He got up. What's the difference between Vayashkem and Vayikatz? Vayikatz is a revelation. He had a revelation. He saw something new. Vayashkem means he acted on it. He got up. He saw something, he got up. The difference between a Yaakov Avinu and many of us, including myself, is that many of us have the Vayikatz Yaakov Mishnaso. Many of us have many revelations in our life. Where all of a sudden we see God and we see His Torah, but the Vayash game doesn't happen. We don't take that revelation and make it into, I'm gonna get up! I'm gonna make a matseva! A matseva is a, a monument, something that's gonna last forever. I'm gonna leave something in this world that's gonna last forever. Sure, everybody has ideas, and I'm sure people have many ideas, or Nava and high schools, and, 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 and how many times people walk around and they're like, stole my idea! They stole my idea! How did they steal your idea? 
Yes, you had an idea, and so did a hundred other people. But how did the guy steal your idea? Because my Yash came. It wasn't just an idea. He got up, and he did something about it. And I can tell you, in this hurricane, there are a lot of people that want to help. Well, there are people who left their houses that didn't have floods in Flappish, that they were very comfortable and left their businesses and went to Farakaway and went to Seagate. By Yashkem, and they got up, and that's where they've been for the last two weeks. They're not home in their nice houses in Flappish. But there are many people walking around. Wow, we should help those people. It would be nice to help those people. That's the difference from Vayikats. Yeah, everybody wakes up, we should do something. But Vayashkeim, there are very few people. Vayashkeim, and they make a matseva because if you get up and you change the world, that matseva is there forever. So what was Yaakov scared about? What does it mean? I didn't know that there's God in this place. What does that mean? Of course he knew that there was God in this place. And that's not true. He didn't know that God was in this place. He knew that God was in Shemayim. He knew that God was in a spiritual world. But he never knew that there's a ladder that connects the two. He never knew that an apple or wearing a suit or a dress that's, that's checked for shotness or having a house that has a mezuzah, that all the physical things in the world are connected to God and God lives in this world. Not in that world, but he lives in this world. Beis Elohim says, I know God's around. This is his house. If I told any girl in this room that I'm taking you right now to the White House, the way you are, we're going to the White House, we're the scariest thing in the world. Uh, meet the president. Uh, I'm not dressed correctly. Uh, I, I got to think about what I'm going to say. Uh, I, I can't go like this. All of a sudden, Yaakov realizes, oh my gosh, this world is the house of Hashem. I'm not ready for this. I'm not on the level to live with the king in his castle. So he became very, very scared. And he actually called that place, what's the name of that place till this day? It's called Base Kale, the house of God. All of us in this room, and every human being, and every Jew, who's not only living in the house of God, but on top of that, with the children of God living in his house. That was a revelation to Yaakov. By Yashkeim. He took that revelation and he got up. And he turned it into action. And that's why we're here in this world. We're here in this world for that ladder that he saw in his dream. To connect Shamayim Ro'aretz. And to always know that whether you're going up in life or you're going down in life, to know that it doesn't make a difference because the ladder leans on a Kurdish Baruch But the foundation of the ladder is in this world. The bottom, the earth, which represents Gashmius, that you can eat and you can drink and you can do all these things. You can exercise. You can get on a treadmill and turn it into a Sefer Torah. Treadmill? In, in, in my sweatpants? Turn it into a Sefer Torah? What are you talking about? It's because before I got on the treadmill, I said, the reason I'm going on the treadmill, not because I want to lose weight, because I want to be healthy. You know why I want to be healthy? So I'll have a long life. You know why I want a long life? Because I want to serve you, Hashem, for a long time. Treadmill just became a Sefer Torah. You can connect anything in this world. That ladder connects any physical thing in this world to the spiritual world. And that was something that Yaakov was taught before he went out into the world. So my bracha to everyone here is the finalization of the connection between this world and the other world. And, and we, it's a passing the Torah. But Asali Migdash, Hashem said, make me a Beis HaMikdash. Where? Where should you make a Beis HaMikdash? In Shul? For Shachanti, for Socham. I want you to become my Beis HaMikdash. I don't want to live in that world. I want to live in Chaya and in Miriam. And I'm not specific saying any names. Right? And every one of you, I want to live in you. I want to live in this world. That's where I live, said Hashem. I don't live in some foreign. That's what the guy believed. He created the world and he, and he took a hike. That's it. He's too holy to be here. Just the opposite. You go to the bathroom, you make an ashayotza, you're connecting that to a Baruch Hu. And that was what Yaakov learned by this dream. We live in a world, there's a ladder. 
a ladder that connects us to God. And when you realize it, you have to act on it. And you have to take your problems in life and understand that just like God is giving you life, if He can give you life, it's the same God that can, that can fix your problem. And if you don't believe that, and you don't believe because of this, I'm not going to get a shidduch, then you don't have bitachon. You have a muna. I believe he can do everything, but this I don't know if he could do. Then you don't have bitachon. You have to get to a level where the emuna and the bitachon are one. Not only I believe it, but I, but I act on it. And there's, there's, there's no difference. Like the gamzul taiva. That I'm not scared. I got so many emails from people who said, who, Rabbi Wallstein, I listened to all your tapes, and I always thought I had a muna. Just today, I must have gotten 15 of them from women in Eretz Yisrael that said, but I have to tell you the truth, I'm scared. And, and this running down to the, to the bomb shelter, and I really thought I was holy, and I really thought I was connected to Hashem, and I have to tell you, I have a pit in my stomach, I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating, I'm very scared. Why am I scared? I believe in Hashem, I've always believed in Hashem, why am I scared? And, and, and what would you tell your daughter? I got a lot of those. And I sent back, Baruch Hashem, I have a daughter in Eretz Yisrael, I'm like, I told her to stay. She's still there. But, I, I, I'm not giving the Muslim, believe me, if I, I, I was Yom Kippur War. When you hear that siren, you should never hear that siren. When you hear that siren, you, you think there's going to be a bomb that's going to just hit you. I mean, it, that siren goes off, it, 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 it takes your heart out. You can imagine never the Holocaust, the people who went through the Holocaust, World War II, when they hear that siren, with that, with that, with that triggers, right? And it has a very big trigger, and there's a lot of trauma in Israel. So, so they're like, what should I do? And I'm like, you have to go inside yourself, and you have to understand that if you're supposed to die, it could be a bomb, it could be a disease, it could be a car accident, it could be anything. What are you scared about? The same God that's giving you life can give you life with just 40 missiles, and the same God who wants to take away your life can take your, your life away on a beautiful sunny day without any missiles. Now, it's very easy for me to say, because I'm over here not dodging bombs. But that's when Imuna and Bitochen become one. And when Imuna and Bitochen become one, Kush Baruch says, that's what I'm going to build the Beis HaMikdash, and the Beis HaMikdash is going, to be, is going to be the opposite. Now, we're taking the physical world, and we're making it into a spiritual world. Beis HaMikdash is going to come down Be'esh. It's going to come down in fire. So everybody asks, what kind of fire? How am I going to walk? I'm a Kayan. Right? We're going to be human. How am I walking to a Beis HaMikdash that's made out of fire. I'm going to burn it to a crisp. So you know what it says, Nancy? It's not a, it's not a physical fire. The base of Migdash, brick by brick, will be built by the spiritual fire of every single Jew that ever lived. His fire to connect to God, those are the bricks of the base of Migdash. It's not a physical fire. It's a spiritual fire. Everyone in this room should be zaycha that with their spiritual fire... God should build the base Hamikdash and use your bricks that you create, that fire, that love of making a bracha, that love of Shabbos, that love of life, that love of connecting to Hashem. Those are all bricks, and they're going to have your name on it. This brick donated by Nechama. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.